From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Okay. We have been discussing prayer the last few weeks. And today's no different. We're going to talk about a new type of prayer. It is called intercession. We say intercession. Intercession means to be in between, to go between, to act as a mediator for. In plain terms, it means to bring somebody's needs to God for them. A prayer request, praying for somebody else. We're going to jump into God's word. It is living and active, amen, and discover together what that prayer looks like, what God said about it, and why we should even bother doing it. Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are, what you've done in each and every one of our lives. Lord, we are expectant to meet with you today whatever that looks like for each of us. But God, we welcome you here, right, church? We welcome you. We want to feel you. We want to see you. We want to be refined and convicted by you, even though it's hard. But Lord, we want to step into your presence and serve under the anointing of a church that loves their city, church that loves each other, and a church that loves their God above all else. Amen. Just a small side note for you is I loved uh, Paul's sharing with us this morning. I love that communion. It was a good word. I was thinking about what we smell like. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say anything gross, I don't think. We'll see. Is I was thinking about Jonah with the whale vomit, right? Is that Jonah got booped up on the shore, and he did not smell very good, I assume. And he reeked of the stench of his disobedience. People could smell it. So much so that they'd be like, what happened to you? What's going on? Jonah, I thought you were a man of God. Why would that happen? And just as we are praying and learning to pray and reading the word today, let's make sure that we don't follow in Jonah's footsteps in disobedience this morning. Sound good? Let's smell of the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. I was thrilled to be given this uh, topic of prayer, of intercession, to preach on this morning for a couple reasons. Number one, and this is all shameless plugs this morning, just get ready, is that I believe some of the best intercessors on the planet are children. Every single week, every single month, without fail, Monday morning I come into my office, I've got prayer requests from kids on my desk. Every single one of them is for someone else, not for them. And I know from their parents that they've got stuff going on. They've got family members going through divorce. They've got a dog that died. But they're concerned that Pastor Zoe has a nice trip. They're concerned 
about their friends at school, about their grandma in surgery. They are concerned for others around them. They see the hurt and the suffering of the world through God's eyes. They see it. And I just love praying for a kid's neighbor's friend's cousin's uncle's dog. You know, it's my favorite thing. So often kids are painted in that light of, of selfishness, like Christmas and Easter is just gimme, 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 right? But really, I think that there's some other people that are a little more gimme, gimme, gimme. And I think it's adults. Because we have the money to do it. We have the time to do it. We have the wheels to get there. And what we want comes first most of the time. And what we want is physical. And we can see it. So that need appears to be more important than the invisible one of the Father. Right? So that is what intercessory prayer takes. It takes a selfless heart, a focus on the needs of others, a love for the wellness of your brother and sister around you, and a desire to see other people experience Jesus in a life-changing way. When I have felt that God is quiet or distant, whatever word you want to use, if you've felt that way, we can be praying, 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 God, give me a fresh anointing. God, speak to me. God, show up. Where are you? What's happening? Ah. I pray that each and every single one of you this morning would see Jesus and would experience him somehow. It might be little. It might be big. But we're expectant that he's going to show up because he's told us that he will. And he will never fail. Right? In order to become intercessors for the kingdom of God, we need to pray like Jesus and be like Jesus. He's our intercessor. The Bible says that he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us, advocating for his people. We need to do what Jesus did. We need to die to ourselves. Lay down our cross, our burdens, and live fully into what he has for us. So intercessory prayer itself is a selfless act. When we participate in something like that, it leads us to lay our interests down, our, our fears down, and focus on God. Just praying can help you set yourself aside. So that's how we enter into that selfless space, to be able to hold one another up. Intercessory prayer puts us in a position that Jesus himself took for us and takes for us, interceding for us. So when we're praying for others, interceding for them on their behalf it is a way that we can posture ourselves more like God. So praying in that way, I promise you, because I know, because it's in here, 
will bring you closer and closer and closer to the heart of God, refining you along the way. God gave us such a practical, practical way to meet with him, to read his book. But it's also supernatural. Have you ever been reading the Bible and felt like something just stuck out to you? That you related to it at all? Anyone? Anyone? I'd like hands, please. Thank you. <laughs> That's God meeting with you. That's God meeting with you. It is a supernatural gift. But also, he gave us another way to communicate with him. What is it? Prayer. Prayer is a powerful and personal way to communicate with God. It is a supernatural gift. Tyler Statton, Pastor Tyler Statton in uh, Portland, Oregon, says that prayer is a compelling wonder. God acting on earth in response to his conversation with a human being? How can it be? How can it be? It's because God is both powerful and personal. He created a powerful and personal way for us to get to know him through prayer. Six months ago, I was able to experience the personal and powerful work of God in my own family's life. Most of you know the story, and it's not a broken record. It never will be. I'll sing about this till I die. As, as you know, my husband, Zach, was uh, suffering for years from a severe gastrointestinal illness. Undiagnosed, specialists had no idea, thought it was in our heads. Well, the vomit was not in our heads. <laughs> we were at our wit's end. It was affecting every single area of our lives. Our prayers, I'm going to admit to you right here, right now, because guess what? Me and Zach are people. Our prayers grew tired. And they grew a little routinely. The power in them diminished a bit because we were waiting for so long. I had actually never known Zach healthy until six months ago. Little did we know that God was whispering to us three little words, wait for it, just wait for it. On August 8th, in a service in Sarnia, Zach was delivered from every single symptom that he had. It has not resurfaced. He has not felt that way at all since then. I know, right? I'm going to need tissues. It's fine. It's not the whole point. Okay. I see now how much needed to happen before that powerful and personal work of miracle could take place because God knew how massive and effectual that's going to be. It needed the maximum effect. It benefited our marriage for Zach to need to depend on me and trust me because if you know him, he is so supportive and kind, and he's a giver. But he needed to rely on me, 
who admittedly can be rather selfish at times. It benefited our unsafe family members on both sides that they watched firsthand just how truly sick he was and what it was doing to us so that the next day they barely recognized him. We have seen salvations in our family. For myself, it was the first miracle I've ever, ever seen. And God knew that I needed to get desperate for it. I was desperate for it. July sucked. Because we were now married, I got to watch the proof of a living miracle every single morning. I woke up to a snoring husband. Yes, he snores. But not a sick one. I, the other night actually, I was telling Zach he had never snored so loud in my life. And I was so irritated, I couldn't fall asleep. And then I thought, you know what? Praise God that he's snoring. He's sleeping. That he can rest his tired body. And I just relished in every little phlegmy gargle. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. I am certain that the minute that Zach was healed was the precise nanosecond that God had intended to heal him. God was not waiting out on us, wasn't holding back his power. The waiting was not to harm us either. It was instead to bless us with more later and to glorify the living God greater. It can often feel like our prayers aren't being answered, right? He can feel quiet, feel far. Sometimes, like Zach and I found, it's because God has crafted the answer at the most divine moment, but we've just not arrived there yet. And there's learning to be had. There's sometimes a little suffering and desperation to be had. But in that moment, I beg you to pray, Lord, hasten that day. Speed it up. We're excited and we're anticipating your answer because we know it's going to come. We know it's going to come. It might take a long time. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. People probably died waiting for God's answer. But it came. Enough that we're still talking about it that promised land. The important thing is that we wait well. We wait well and expectantly so that when his answer comes, we praise the right God. Sometimes it feels like our prayers fall on deaf ears and we receive no answer. There might be a few reasons. We're going to just gloss over them because it can be a little disappointing and earth-shaking if we feel like, where is he? What's going on? Why doesn't he hear me? I don't feel heard. There's no one on the end of this phone call, you know? It might be because we're just not getting our way, and God's way is much better. It might be that we already know the answer, 
and we just really don't like it. It's moments like that where I'll encourage you to pray for God to replace your own desires with his. To break your heart for what breaks his. That you would just cave inwardly when his heart aches. That our desires might change. Sometimes it's because there's a spiritual battle for our souls that's waging so intensely that the answer's delayed. It's stuck in battle. In Daniel 10, there's a description of this. I actually didn't know about this story until this week. An angel is en route to answer Daniel. Daniel, in the Bible, if you don't know about him, he was the king of prayer. He was a prayer. He fasted. There was actually something called the Daniel fast, a type of eating to keep you being able to fast longer, which is what we've been doing. Has anybody tried the Daniel fast before? A couple? Yeah. Look at you guys. He was fasting, did not eat or drink for 21 days, three weeks until the answer came. Because of this raging war, it even says, even says that he, he prayed all night. All night. How long do you sit and wait? Were those pauses between my phrases a little long for you? How long do we wait? In our fast-paced culture, where the answers to everything is a couple clicks away, that's hard, and I know we say that stuff all the time, but on this last trip, we arrived to our room on the cruise ship. I put my phone in the safe, and I detoxed from my phone. And I'm not saying that that's the answer for everybody. But I realized when I went back to it, first of all, I had some genuine withdrawals from it. Um, but I did not go back to it. Um, but when I went back to it, I noticed how anxious and upset I was. And how my mind would be taken to a million places when I could have just been sitting in the sun on the beach in Honduras talking to Jesus, you know, like, we could have our mind on such better things, on things above, but it's some DIY or somebody in China putting up chairs really fast and some cat falling off a wall, I don't know, why, why do we let that take up all our time? Just consider that for yourself. When we talk about fasting at Parkway, that's how I like to fast, uh, fast from Netflix, fast from my phone, fast from any kind of screen. Makes writing a sermon pretty hard. Just try fasting alongside your prayer. Maybe the answer to your prayers that you've been waiting for is on its way, but it's just delayed in that battle. 
that God has sent an angel to you with your answer. It's coming. But there's a war waging for your soul that we cannot see. And he's just held up for a minute like he's busy. But it's coming. I know that there's people in this room who are aching for God to answer their prayers. We all do. They're, they're written on the wall outside. I'm not some prophet, okay? They're written on the wall outside. We have said, I need my family to love Jesus. I am sick and hurting. My children have addictions. They're on the wall. Your answer might be delayed. But armies are fighting on our behalf. But we need to wait well because we can expect that God is exactly who he says he is and the answer is coming. I promise you. Sometimes the silence is because we've created it. And this one's a little more sticky, so I'm not looking at anyone in particular when I say these following words. It's just the general we. I can even shut my eyes if you want. Up to you. We've created the silence. This could mean a few things. We're just plain old not listening. God's talking and we're like, la, 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 la. We don't want to hear it. He's already told us. And we're not accepting that his answer is good enough. It's going to solve it. Or we think it's too hard to follow through one forgiving someone, for example. We're not addressing the real situation at hand. We're holding on to some sin, some stronghold in our life that's against God's best for us, that's distancing us from the heart and the voice of God. And that is where confessional prayer comes in, which Hannah Shamas preached on last week so well. The Bible says that that sin piles up in front of God. It stacks. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 66, verse 18 to 19. We're going to flip around a little bit today, but we'll call it an old-fashioned sword drill. Psalm 66. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. That is the voice of somebody who's confessed their sin. That is the voice of someone who's honest with God who can see everything you do anyways, so why are you bothering? Our sin can pile up. We look at the distance sometimes and get angry that God's not answering. Have you ever been angry at God for not answering? But from where God's standing, if we flip that coin, he's looking at all of the sin that you've let pile up so that you're not even looking at him anymore. He's saying, my child, hello. Why? What will that do for you? We cannot have intercessory prayer. We can't pray for others if we're unwilling to partake in confessing our own sin. 
We have to clear the air with God, okay? It says, if I cherished it in my heart, God wouldn't have listened. So your sin is in the way. Get rid of it. It's not confession like we picture in a big old church with a priest behind the screen. What's he going to do? He didn't die on a cross. Jesus did. And we need to die to ourselves and give that sin back to him. Because he's, he's already died for you. He's already forgiven us. We just have to receive that. This is a personal, powerful, and private moment for you and God alone. Make sure that you're praying to the right God. The God of the universe and not the God of fearing what others might think. The king of kings and not the sinfulness and pride that might be actually ruling in your heart. The Lord of lords and not lording your spirituality over others. Make sure you are praying to the right person. At the time of Jesus' ministry on earth, he spoke about this type of public and pompous prayer. Prayer that's meant for anybody but God, really. But we're not going to take my word for it, honestly. Question things I say, jump into the Bible, okay? We are going to be theologians together this morning. Now, that's a big word. Theology means the study of God. This book has everything you need to know, okay? If you have one, if you read it, if you believe it, you are a theologian. Let's study together. Okay, let's look to Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. Should be on the screen. You can also scroll to your phone. I won't be offended. I trust you. Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. And your father, who sees what's done in secret, I told you, will reward you. And then when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. A short prayer is enough. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows. Something interesting for um, a theologian, a student of God that has been very occupied with reading way too many books all the time is the term inner room was interesting to me. Because at that time, a house was you walk in and that's the house. One room. If they had some money, there was some more. But the general mid to low class, all that, one home. Everybody lived together, everyone slept together, kept warm together. They had one room. So the disciples, when they heard that term, inner room, they didn't take it as like a prayer closet. 
Like for me, I picture my office, a small space that has verses on the walls and there's highlighters and all those things, right? How nice, we love that for me. But the disciples would have taken that as a metaphorical meeting that there is a inward privacy that you can have with God that's not being displayed on the street corners and synagogues. There's an inner privacy where you can confess to the Lord. And that, for them, was bridging the gap between religion and relationship, bringing heaven to earth, that their Messiah was not some big spooky thing that they can go to him and say, I did it again. Sorry. Because what's the Messiah going to do? He's going to die for them. And usually they say sorry by killing a poor little animal, right? But that blood's been shed, and it's going to be shed. So he's prepping them to teach people, to teach them to confess their sins rather than, you know, murdering babies and little uh, baby animals. Sorry. That was the pagans. It's fine. This means that simply going to the temple wasn't enough. Or... Going to Bible study in church and youth group is not enough. That you need to have a personal, intentional, ongoing rapport and relationship with God. But he's powerful and he's personal and he sees you anyways, so you might as well. Small side note for you. These verses aren't saying that praying in public is bad. But it can be if you're praying for the wrong reason. In fact, I actually deeply believe that praying publicly is something we could all grow in, especially modeling it to our kids. Do you know how many kids and teens I have to teach how to pray out loud? Teach them to speak to someone who hears them. They do it all day long. Pray out loud. Let your kids hear you confess your sin to God. It's okay to be real people. That's something that I loved about the way I was raised is I would walk downstairs in the morning and my mom, we have very different prayer lives, but my mom was honest with the Lord and she knelt and she wept, Bible open. Those pages were wrinkly, okay? She was honest with herself in front of Jesus. But we also have proof that it's actually okay to pray in public, even though he's saying don't do it poorly. Because Jesus prayed in public lots, right? He prayed in gardens. He prayed with people. He prayed for them. He prayed over them and had them, their withered arm came back, things like that, you know? He prayed in public. So we know that if we're to look like Jesus, it's okay to pray in public, but we have to pray to the right God. But Jesus didn't only pray in public. He'd also wander off and pray privately in his inner room. The inner room is a place to pray in a personal and powerful way with confession. We cannot pray for others. We cannot have intercessory prayer unless you are confessing what's between you and Jesus. Confession is for nobody else but ourselves. 
but it has to happen so that we can intercede for others on their behalf. Make sense? I don't always love hopping around the Bible in order to share with you guys. I prefer to stick to like a chapter or a story because it's just a little easier. I don't feel like I'm trying to like flip through and prove what I'm trying to say. But I was challenged by that thought this week. We spent time on Tuesday night with the senior high students, my favorite night of the week, learning about hearing God's voice. It was awesome and beautiful and at times quiet, but it was wonderful to see their questions answered, that they could differentiate between their voice and God's voice, differentiate between Satan's voice and their voice. If you're putting yourself down all the time, sounds like you've internalized somebody else's voice, right? It was amazing to see them understand. Shameless plug for youth ministry. It is one of the most life-giving things I've ever been a part of, ever, 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 ever. I have done a lot of kids' men. I've done lots of worship, done lots of talking at people, but seeing a young person understand God is personal and powerful, you see the next church rising. You see hope in your future because those kids will be my pastor, right? They will rise and teach my children how to hear the voice of God. We have a duty to model this kind of relationship, to let ourselves be refined. So we were hearing God's voice, and I felt this deep ache in my chest release as I was thinking about the sermon. It was mulling around in my mind, and I, I felt frustrated that I had to jump around and pick different verses to share with you all about all this. But I realized, and the Lord gave me this thought, is that I'm not proving anything to you. God is. That if you're reading from Genesis to Revelation and you find multiple times he said the same thing, he's being consistent. He is proving to you through 18 different stories in 25 different ways that prayer is important, intercession is important, confession comes first. He's proving those things. He shows constantly how consistent he is. I've got a couple other good quotes, and then we're going to practice some prayer. Uh, I know I'm going long, but I never do, so. Okay, a good quote from Pastor Tyler Statton again is, we pray the safest kinds of prayers, the ones so passive and vague that we'd never be able to tell if God even responded to them. We believe that prayer releases power to affect change in a real world, right? God actually uses our prayers to fulfill his will. They are a bridge to join heaven to earth, making a way for his will to be done here as we join him in that battle. But we don't always live like that's true. There's how many of us here today? Over 100 for sure. Tuesday morning, we've got seven people praying. Tuesday night, we've got three. 
Saturday night, I don't know how many people come, but I'm sure it's not more than 50, not more than 20. We need to be praying. We need to stop praying safely, and we need to pray dangerously for the kingdom of God. Prayer is a way to meditate and let go. Sure. Prayer is a centering exercise. Okay. All right. I can get on board. Prayer is a channel to be reformed from the inside out. Okay. I can take some moderate conviction once in a while. I can handle it. Prayer that really works. Prayer that brings heaven to earth, prayer that joins God to bring redemption and push back the darkness, that is where he loses us. What would happen if we prayed that way? What would happen? We're going to go back to Matthew 6. It's also in Luke 11. The Lord's Prayer comes up. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus doesn't give them some lofty concept or a really long sermon that's boring you. No long, drawn-out anything. He just dives right in. He says, okay, try this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will in heaven is never thwarted. Satan tried and he kicked him out. His will is never thwarted. We want that kind of will here. Are we ready for that? We need to get ready for that. Because he's coming. Jesus isn't describing some real life version of wishes to a cosmic genie that occasionally comes true if you get the formula right and you pray at the right minute. He's talking about the kind of prayers that start with love for someone else and they end with inviting God's activity into their lives. That is intercession. It is willing and it is intentional. Willing to set yourself aside and intentional to notice and present the needs of your neighbor to the father of the heavenly realms. Parkway, God loves each and every one of you. I love you so much, but God's love for you is booming. He hears every single word that you utter to him. Deal with your junk. Clear the air with him. Because he's got big big heavenly stuff for us on deck if we're willing to step into that and pray dangerously, right? There's no right way to do it. We are all designed so uniquely, so specifically that we're all going to pray differently. We're all going to chase him differently. But if we're not doing it, that is not our design. If you're wondering what your calling in life is and you're having one of those moments, it's chasing Jesus. Okay? It's not whatever job you'd like to have. It's, it just happens to align with my job, right? Like, it is chasing Jesus. Whether I'm a Walmart employee or a crane operator, I don't care. It is chasing Jesus. We need to be ready to be selfless. 
We need to be ready to be expectant that God will move. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.